0: This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an Opportune podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you listening along. As you're listening, make sure that you go to our website, opportune.com. For more information on our solutions and services, and of course, more opportune content, And you can also find more episodes of E2B on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just look up Opportune or Energy to Business, hit that subscribe button, and you'll have a full catalog of previous episodes as well as notifications when we drop new ones. On today's episode of the podcast, we're getting a complete view of the benefits, strategies, and use cases around energy and commodity trading and risk management systems. Or for shorthand today, we're going to be referring to them as ETRMs. And we're going to get all of this context for today's changing economy. Whether you're buying, selling, or moving commodities like power, or soybeans, crude oil, or refined product, ETRMs capture all of that commercial activity, they measure the associated risk, and then calculate returns gained from said commercial activities. And so though this may sound like a a blanket tool, a blanket utility, with our podcast today, we're aiming to leave no stone unturned and really want to answer the questions, who will benefit the most from an ETRM in this economy? Which industries specifically What's the value of investing in this sort of tool? And how will it integrate with existing processes? So for insights today, I'm pleased to welcome Kent Landrum, Managing Director of Process and Technology at Opportune, and Mark Smith, founder of Blue Pig Energy Advisors. Mark, Kent, great to have you both on. How are y'all doing? We're doing great.
1: Doing great. Thanks for having us today.
0: Absolutely. Real pleasure getting to source both of your insights. I'm looking forward to getting into our conversation. So there's a lot to unpack. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, I want to start by adding some pandemic context to all of this because, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to avoid the impacts of COVID over the last year. So in that last year, we saw energy and uh, commodities demand plummet. During said pandemic, right? So how have these trends shaped out in the months since? Is demand still as low as we saw? Has it picked up the pace at all? Uh, has trading in general picked up its pace? What have you all seen?
2: Obviously, uh, you know the the markets have have recovered significantly from the big drop that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, where you know crude prices, you know actually went negative not sure how, how, how to, to quantify that negative crude prices, but they did go negative for a few days uh, and but they've recovered now to where we're hovering around60 dollars uh, a barrel, which is kind of where we were hanging for the last you know eight eight or so years. On the trading side, I would say the folks that have a trading a strategy in their commercial groups were continuously, trading during this period of time and obviously the volatility that the pandemic brought on uh, brought a lot of opportunity for folks to 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 make money on the on the moves and and to to manage the risk that was associated with it
1: yeah i would agree with what mark said From the clients that I've worked with over the past 12 months or so, what we've seen is that trading has played a really important role for many of those energy companies. Like Mark indicated, hedgings helped them deal with those dramatic changes in commodity prices. And the clients that had stronger balance sheets have been able to take advantage of some arbitrage opportunities in the market to capture some value that may have offset weaker performance in other areas of their business.
0: Now, let's expand that context a little bit. Uh, If we look at 2021 as a whole and some of the factors that placed us where we're at today, what industry and economic factors, in both of your opinions, are posed to shape energy and commodities trading the most in 2021? And how do you think those factors will impact the day-to-day of trading as well as just sort of long-term assessments and uh, futures?
2: So I think uh, one of the biggest trends is uh, you've seen recently with this cold spell that uh, gripped uh, in almost the entire us where we saw, uh, you know, plants and supply be diminished, whether it was uh, natural gas, uh, electricity generating plants, whether it was refineries that had to shut down because of cold weather. Um, And then you saw a spike in energy prices, you know, gasoline, propane. Electricity spiking tremendously in Texas with all the rolling blackouts that obviously provided a lot of opportunity for folks who have uh, strong uh, information systems, trading systems to, to understand what their risk was at any time. And to to be able to take advantage uh, of uh, and manage that exposure uh, that was generated by those incidents um, as we go forward 2021 I think you know with the uh, pandemic you know hopefully on its uh, downward trend with uh, all the vaccinations and all the measures that have been taking place I think what you're going to see is is as things start to open up towards the, the summertime and hopefully into the fall. You know, there's a lot of pent-up demand in my opinion of people wanting to, to to get back out and do things and so when people get back out and do things usually means travel and you know one of the biggest reasons why um, prices drop so much is because travel basically went to zero so not only business travel but pleasure travel so I see uh, as the as the year progresses, you're going to see quite a lot of volatility in in prices as uh, as people start to 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 get back out there in, in the world and and travel and see things.
1: Yeah, I would add on to what Mark said that as the demand recovery proceeds and the pandemic eases, I think a number of energy companies are going to start to make a greater investment to get ready for the next one the next time something like this happens whether it's something like a pandemic or a big cold snap or something like that and they're going to be taking a hard look as the margins improve about where they can make some investments to prepare themselves and a couple areas where I, i can see that playing out would be first on the technology front many companies were forced very quickly to move into an environment where everyone was working remotely everyone was working virtually and this has exposed weaknesses in the tools and technology that they have available to them at this point. So I think a number are gonna take a look and say, what can I do to increase the availability, the reliability or the mobile access to the trading and risk solutions that I've got or the tools that I use to manage my hydrocarbon supply chain? And then the other aspect that I think we're going to see is companies that maybe went through this past year without sophisticated trading or risk management tools are going to say, look, I had to bear the brunt of a lot of this commodity price volatility, and I don't want to go through that again. I don't want the earnings volatility. I don't want to deal with those issues. And so I think we'll see people take a look at what do they need to do to put stronger tools in place to do what Mark talked about and get visibility into what's happening in their business so that they can make good, quick choices to manage that risk.
0: A few other factors I want to highlight. Uh, I know we saw many new entrants on the software side of this industry trying to solve uh, any trading-related challenges that we might see progress through 2021, uh, but solve them with a cloud-first or digital angle as the core of the solution. What are your thoughts on that? Is that going to be a... uh beneficial investment or an investment we're going to see more of in 2021? Does it address the kind of needs uh, or at least provide the sort of digital or network infrastructure to um, support the solutions that you think is uh, necessary or worth the investment? What are y'all's thoughts?
1: I do think that trend is going to continue. And I touched upon it a little bit in my previous response. And As companies look for ways to get better access to their tools when they're out of the office, when their employees are scattered, and when they look to improve reliability, there are a lot of advantages to moving to a cloud-based solution. You get scale, you get access to the ability to spin up more servers, more capacity as demand for those systems changes. And I think that flexibility is gonna be one of the drivers. One of the challenges there is that many of the E-Term systems that have been around a long time have been built from the ground up originally as tools that ran on premises that companies had in their own data centers running their own operating system database, et cetera, and are gonna be a little slower to move out to the cloud. Many have offerings now and they're headed in that direction. The new entrants on the other hand have almost all been built originally in that kind of cloud native way. And so they're ready to use in that type of capacity.
2: Uh, you know, even as the as you've seen technology in other areas exponentially get better and better. I mean, we're sitting here talking in, in a podcast, in, you know, at home using some ridiculous amount of, of broadband space of, you know, having three, four hundred megabytes or gigabytes of, uh, of of internet space, as technology has increased, it's allowed ETRM systems to become uh, even more valuable when it comes to measuring the risk. You know, back in the, like I would say back in the, you know, when technology wasn't as advanced, so let's, let's go back to the 80s. I know it was even farther back where, where we didn't really have a lot of good technology, but just say, you know, late 80s, early 90s, when ETRM, systems first started to come out and and energy trading first started to kind of kind of start to 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 make its way into the into this commodities uh, you know, we didn't have very, we had basic ETRM technologies where we were able to capture, you know, say capture a deal or something like that. But we still use a, a lot of other uh, technologies, Excel spreadsheets and, and so forth, to, to basically really manage the business. And we only manage pieces of the business because that's all the technology would allow us to do. Um, now with the new cloud-based uh, systems and, and other uh, kind of historical uh, ETRM systems that are, that are moving to the cloud, you know, you're able to, to basically manage that entire risk value chain using, you know, using these ETRM systems now, which give you a much deeper kind of view of, of, of what the risk is that your company has and, and what the opportunities uh, are to extract value for that risk.
0: So now let's bring the ETRM into the conversation. How does an ETRM act as a useful tool to meet these current needs? Where does it intersect specifically, and why?
2: Yeah. So I think I think where an ETRM system is super value is it is in the actual transactions that occur in a company, the actual uh, purchases and sales, movements of products, and. Uh, uh, and feed stocks uh and i i kind of refer to that as the transactional fidelity so it basically it's the foundation for making informed decisions that that a company can use it, it the etrm system will capture all that information that is uh that is embedded in that transaction that asset that truck you know that location of the truck and it'll provide Uh, Accurate, timely, and a wide spectrum of information that then the organization can use to, to manage the resulting risk that comes from those transactions in a system, in an organization, I mean.
1: So to build on what Mark was saying there, I think for organizations that are coming from a place where their trading processes are very manual, that they live in spreadsheets, or maybe they only have the logistics and the finance part of the origination to settlement lifecycle in a mainframe or an older ERP system, what the ETRM system is going to bring is tighter integration along that supply chain. And it's going to bring additional rigor and discipline to the process of updating information about the pricing associated with that trade. Every day and in some industries, every few minutes, those prices change or some cases every few seconds or faster than that. And So getting that visibility to price changes, to changes in terms of when that commodity is going to move from its origin to its destination, which affects the price and the exposure that you've got, on down to making sure that the invoice that you present your customer is correct, it incorporates all of the information that I just talked about, is one of the key value drivers of an Ethereum system. It forces that rigor and discipline through that process. And what the ETRM systems layer on top of that is the ability to use exactly that same data to see your risk exposure. And that means that if a scheduler changes when a cargo is expected to arrive and you've got event-based pricing on that cargo, the risk team knows as soon as the scheduler makes that change, they've got that, as Mark called it, transactional fidelity, and they know something has changed. It's moved to a different day and the exposures changed. On the other side, too, as those transactions work their way through the lifecycle, your commercial team has visibility to those changes, too, and can take different action. And they can see what the financial results are in their margin associated with those changes or with the actions that they're taking in response.
0: Now, how do you summarize that usually for end users for clients that you're pitching an ETRM solution to? How do you communicate that as a a basic value proposition? What are the factors that are most applicable to -to day-to-day operations that you think end users need to hear and really want to hear out of some kind of ETRM solution?
2: So I think one of the, what folks see when they want to use an ETRM system to to, to extract this value that they see in the marketplace and they see with their assets is, is, is what we call it kind of an evolution. So the folks that are really interested and really need to have the ETRM systems as part of their base infrastructure are folks that are moving along uh, what I've called for 20 plus years, the, the commercial evolution continuum and and it moves it moves along a process to where folks are getting greater and greater value out of their assets that they own. And to do that, you can't just decide, hey, I'm just going to start you know, trading around my storage tank uh, for a very simple example. Because if, if you didn't have a system, you didn't have any kind of uh, controls in place, you know, things could get you know, out of control and you know, uh, value could be actually lost instead of generated. So what folks uh, as, as executives, and this is, kind of goes to my executive experience, in the executive, when you want to have your commercial group extracting value out of the assets, I want to be sure that they're doing it uh, in a controlled manner. With uh, controlled real-time risk systems, uh, uh, control limits, and all that stuff is provided, uh, you know, through the ETRM system. To ensure that 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 the company isn't taking too much risk at any one time, and that we are getting the value out of the out of the risk we are taking.
1: Yeah, to me, it's it's all about visibility into how the day-to-day commercial and logistics activities impact the bottom line and getting line of sight to the associated risk so that you can make sure that those activities are aligned with the company's commercial strategy and are being executed in a way that operates within the risk policy.
0: So we talk a little bit about the end user here. Let's get more specific on the industries that benefit the most from something like this. If you had to break down, you know, of those energies and and commodities that are being traded, which industries which players should be looking at etrm systems the most who stands the most to gain from implementing something like this into day-to-day trading operations and you know or if you know if you disagree fundamentally with the <laughs> with the question itself you know if you think it's a blanket tool that really anyone can benefit from feel free to give me that perspective as well but really just who benefits the most and why
2: yeah i i like uh, i think anybody in uh, with any kind of Commodity risk embedded in their business you know, benefits uh, from an ETRM system, uh, especially as as you know volatility continues to increase, increase not only in our base you know, fossil fuel type uh, commodities, but you know, I, in in even the green commodities volatility exists and and therefore somebody would benefit from having a system like this. I would say that the, an ETRM system. Any organization is kind of like the base building block to to really uh, sh- strive to improve their their you know, commercial excellence there and, and get improved uh, returns out of the the capital that they've employed, whether it's in hard assets or or, or other you know soft type uh, financial assets. You know, having a, a strong ETRM system, this business it, it is key to really. Differentiating yourself in the in the marketplace, because I was talking commodities here, and so commodities, uh, you know, by definition, you know, is is somewhat homogeneous, and therefore, if everybody did the same thing and commodity volatility happened the same way, everybody's your know, returns would would generally be the same. So the only way for folks in this industry really differentiate themselves uh, in the marketplace is by having uh, some way to extract more value out of those uh, those assets than their uh, than, than their counterparties
1: most major oil and gas companies whether it's an upstream midstream or downstream they're, they're generally started on this journey power kind of similarly I would say that pretty much any asset operator with exposure to commodity prices like Mark touched on, especially if they have historically not thought of themselves as traders, should probably be taking a look at how a commercial strategy coupled with a good risk policy, and then supported by an ETRM platform can allow them to offer you know, things like greater pricing flexibility to their customers, which can give them a competitive advantage in the market now that they have the ability to hedge that exposure and do some more exotic creative things that may serve their customers better. So those are the sorts of companies that I would think should be taking a look at themselves and saying, is this a direction that I want to go as we come out of this pandemic, as the margins start to improve and it's time to make some investments?
0: Well, if companies can see so much value out of an ETRM solution, are there any strategies that you recommend for them getting the highest ROI over the life of the system? I'm sure there are ways to implement it. You know, Yes, there are sort of uh, blanket benefits to having it in day-to-day trading operations, but there are also ways to refine that approach and get even more out of the system. So, what are those approaches or strategies that you often recommend, and uh, what factors might create friction in maximizing the use of the tools? How do you work around those?
2: I, I think that uh, you know one of the biggest uh, factors for success is like it is is your organizational strategy. Uh, so, the system itself, the ETRM system, is is a tool that helps you achieve you know, the extraction of that value out of our assets. But it's really just a foundational tool of a bigger organizational structure that that folks need to undertake or not need to undertake, but if they want to extract value from their assets, reduce their supply cost, increase their net tax, you know, find optimization opportunities across the supply chain. You know, it's it's a foundational tool that is needed order to really do that, the best-in-class type uh, uh, of returns, it's not just the system. The system is 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 the tool, but it's really the the underlying uh, organizational strategy, commercial business model uh, that is really the key to success in in extracting you know value and using the ETRM system uh, as a tool to do that.
1: You know is where the ETRM falls. I would also add that I think companies need to be prepared to view the way they work day to day and how they approach the routine activities in a different different light. So if they're coming from a background that doesn't include this type of ERP or ETRM system, there are going to be some big differences and being prepared to address those and change the way they work will be important in getting the most out of that new transactional fidelity. Errors need to be fixed upstream in the chain. They can't just be plugged on the back end. So if there's a problem with a price, it has to be fixed up at the head of the trade instead of just slapping a correction on the invoice before it goes out the door. That way, your commercial team and your risk team can see those changes. So things that you might have been able to get away with in a world where you're operating mostly in spreadsheets or that kind of thing, you've got to have more discipline.
0: All right. I want to point some questions at each of you now. Kent, I want to start with you. Just for context, so our audience knows the kind of experience you're into to this conversation. You have 20 years of diversified information technology experience, specifically around solution deliveries for the energy industry. So in those 20 years, how have you seen ETRM solutions evolve to match the changes in the industry, the varying industry needs. And uh, if you have any specifics on how they've improved or gotten more robust to match those needs, I think that'd be really uh, useful here.
1: Great. Uh, Early in my career, the major ETRM systems were in many ways still relatively close to their roots, where they were created to solve a particular energy company's trading and risk requirements, and then kind of evolved from there. The, um, The result was that many had clear strengths and advantages for companies that traded certain commodities, whether that was NGLs or, on another hand, power or for those that primarily traded derivatives, or towards risk reporting. And so each had these kind of silos that they worked best in. The technology that they were built on on top of that was relatively immature. The The architecture and the development practices meant that in some cases, they had trouble scaling up to really big organizations. And that early focus on particular commodities or segments of the business resulted in fit issues when you tried to scale them out to be cross commodity or, the, or that sort of thing. So These factors made some of the larger early implementations more challenging and expensive, but the solutions and their providers learned a lot and they matured rapidly through that process, adding functionality to their systems, becoming more mature. You add to that the consolidation that's happened among the software companies through the last few years has brought additional scale to those development and support teams. And the new market entrants we touched on earlier have brought a bunch of fresh ideas and innovations to the marketplace. So on the whole, the tools are a lot easier to implement out of the box today than they were. And they provide better facilities for integrating them with other systems. They're more reliable, they're higher performing, and they're easier for users to interact with.
0: Now, Mark, similar question to you, but I'm actually going to layer yours a little bit more. Uh, Your background of more than 30 years of professional experience gives us some great context to work here. So before you founded Blue Pig, you were a midstream and downstream energy executive and worked on multiple Fortune 500 companies. And during that time, I know that you were able to work with ETRMs in each of your varying progressive roles, everything from trader to head of trading to then senior executive and then board member. So really what I want to do is break down how you used ETRMs in each of these positions and to what effect so we can understand how an ETRM uh, can create value from the bottom to the top of the chain. So let's start with just as a trader yourself, how did it prove useful? And then we'll uh, go down. Down the progressive roles here.
2: Sure. So, um, you know, obviously, it's been an, an evolution over over 30 years, and 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 each successive organization that I worked with went down this path of of, of first uh, the technology that we used was uh, an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, you know, high, highly highly uh, technical. Uh, a piece of equipment. And, you know, as a trader, you know, using the Excel spreadsheet, having to, you know, basically make all the changes either yourself or through a through a risk analyst, you know, it it, it didn't provide that, you know, what I would say is that it it made it a little bit more difficult at the beginning of trading, knowing exactly what my position was, because I didn't have that as we talked about earlier, didn't have that transactional fidelity where if a schedule changed on something or a price, you know, pricing uh, moved and I didn't know exactly how that happened, it, you know, it made it more difficult to manage that exposure and really, you know, reporting out as at the beginning of, uh, my career reporting out of spreadsheets you know was uh, was the only thing we had in a lot of cases but uh, you know it, it made it uh, hard to really get uh, senior management's understanding of the value creation that was happening and so as etrm systems as we implement etrm systems so we move down that that commercial evolution at each of the organizations I, i've been at it provided a lot uh, more accurate and timely information and value, you know, to basically get the value out of the assets that, as a trader, I was trying to, to 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 get out. As as I progressed in my roles to to where I was now over an entire group of traders, group of different commodities. Um, obviously, the ETRM system provided me a much better. A uh, view of our, uh, of the company's overall, you know, the trading group's overall exposure. Uh, it helped me ensure that, you know, that we were within our, you know, formal risk policy that the organizations had, that, that I didn't have any rogue traders out there making, you know, making uh, transactions that could, you know, hurt the bottom line of the company. And it actually provided me with a, a, a almost like an, I would say, a more independent or uh, verifiable, P and L that that showed the value that I was able to show the value to um, you know my senior executives as the, as the head of trading uh, of was being generated by by the traders in the commercial group, and so then as I moved into the senior executive role, obviously the the ETRM systems were were key to me ensuring that when I went to the board. And, and said, hey, we're, you know here, here's risk policy that uh, we'd like you to approve. And here's how I'm gonna measure to ensure that, that we stay within that risk policy. And then here is the result of uh, the value extraction that we've been able to curb by, by understanding our risk exposure, understanding where our, our positions are, understanding how much storage we may have available uh, when the market goes into to significant contango. That provided me the ETRM system provided me a sense of I don't want to say security, but it actually provided me a, a more secure way of ensuring to the board member of the of the company that things were under control and that there was going to be no Wall Street Journal story come out that there was a rogue leader you know in the organization and has caused a significant loss uh, you know. Uh, to the organization, you know, then as a board member in, in an organization that did some commercial activity, you know, an ETRM system, you know, did provide that sense of security that obviously as a member board members aren't into the day-to-day activities, but they're, you know, in charge of ensuring that the, that the, the organization you know executes its its approved strategies and and goals and so i think as a board member having a robust etrm system that the organization is using you know helps give that comfort level that that you're Able to view what the risks are, that are, you're able to stay within the approved risk policy, and then you're actually able to see the the results of of that commercial activity that your organization is 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 taking, and its diversification, uh, you know, across the board.
0: Now, when you're making the pitch for an ETRM to end users, is it relatively necessary to? Uh, give that kind of context on how an ETRM is useful from top to bottom of the chain? And do you find that board members, senior executives want to know how this is going to be useful for them? Or is this something that they see more as a, oh, well, this is a tool that's useful for the trader. Okay, great. Thank you for those insights on how it's useful for me. But as long as it works for the trader and the trading groups, we're good. Who really needs to have a seat at the table for these conversations is what I'm asking.
2: Yeah, I I think uh, a key to these implementations and selections of of systems and this evolution is that senior executives do need to have a seat at the table. They're they're the key. I think they, in my opinion, they're the key to this. Uh, the successful uh, implementation of the ETRM systems. Uh, you know the, the senior executives have to understand the value proposition of what an ETRM system will deliver. Not only in in managing the, the company's risk, but ensuring that you stay within the risk policy to reporting uh, accurately earnings that are generated. You know out of all those activities, I think a lot of you know, historically, a lot of you know executives who haven't been involved in this, you know, think that well, you know, the way we do things now, we got a ERP system that captures our data. We're doing a good job. You know, we don't really necessarily need this bolt on risk system. Uh, whereas I, th- I think that's if, if you haven't seen that full spectrum of trading to executive, you know, do, I don't think you see the value that the ETRM system actually does bring and the and the uh, transactional, you know, information that is then given and broken down in a different way uh, than, uh, say, a traditional system would give you.
0: All right, Kent, Mark, I feel like we've gotten a good understanding of the use cases for ETRMs, where they fit into today's energy and uh, commodity trading needs. Now I want to more specifically understand how to get an ETRM rolled out efficiently and effectively. So before beginning a rollout in that pre- phase. What should decision makers be thinking about? What should be influencing their decision on where to start and how to start integrating? And um, how are those key considerations getting developed in today's economy?
1: Sure. So coming at this from the perspective of an implementer and an IT person who's done a number of these systems over the years, what I would say is that people are always really eager to jump in, pick a technology and get started on the IT project right away. However, I think it's really important, and I've seen this in multiple instances, to to get your business model defined. If you need to make any changes, if you want to tax optimize a structure, if you want to separate an entity out or anything like that, get that decided and done first. Get your commercial strategy down on paper. How do you expect to, with this new tool, make money? Because when we implement the tool, we'll need to know how you want to break out time arbitrage, geo arbitrage, quality, so that we can give you the measures that you're expecting to see in the tool and get your risk policy down on paper and approved so that when the team hits the ground and you've got a group of people there and the meters running, they're working productively on building things that meet those needs rather than being pulled into a lot of discussions about how should those things be defined so that you can get the, the most value out of the implementation for the least cost.
2: Yeah, I th- I think the uh, Kent brings up a great point is that this is uh, you know we we like the, we focus this in you know podcast on the ETRM system itself, but it's a bigger the ETRM system is is what I would call it's the it's the foundation to you know a, a bigger organizational structure change that folks need to to understand when they're going down this path if they have an ETRM system. Now they're actually on that path a little bit, so they should understand a little bit. But if this, this is new to them, you know they're moving from what I would call a reactive state, where you're making uh, decisions reactively with spreadsheets and and you know poor visibility into what is really happening, not anything alive, to, to more of an informed and then ability to optimize those assets and and get the value extract out of that. And so when you move from that reactive to Informed to optimize state, you know the the implementation of ETRM system is you know is the foundational structure to move to that state. But you have to have processes and procedures and organizational structures in place to actually you know extract that value. So that's a that's a key point to, that Kent made is that you have to have that uh, organizational commercial structure a strategy, how you're going to do things, what types of information do you need? What are the roles and responsibilities that people will have? Because most likely, if you've gone from a reactive state to, to where you're wanting to extract a lot of value from your assets, it's going to take a different organizational structure. People's roles and responsibilities are going to change. Uh, the the skill sets required to do that are going to change. And you have to understand all those All those things first before you want to jump on board and start, you know, quickly implementing, uh, you know, the ETRM system to to then try to take advantage of, of what it provides you.
0: Perfect. Let's break down the rest of the process then. If that's the pre-process, what does the uh, sort of mid-integration, I guess like the actual day-to-day process of getting this integrated effectively, and then the post sort of follow-up, how do we assess if this is working correctly, process looked like, and who needs to have a seat at the table for those
1: parts of the process as well? Sure. So there's three things that I look at when I think about this pre-mid, post-process. And the first thing is, I think in order for the project to be successful, you need one clear, strong, senior, single champion to sponsor that project. And ideally, that's either the head of commercial, uh, the trading organization or the head of risk. You know, Titles might be chief commercial officer, or chief risk officer, or something like that, because ultimately they have the most stake in the outcome of the project. Second. I think you want a steering committee that represents a cross-section of the organization because there's going to be engagement during the project and change in each of those areas. And without someone from each of those areas to help steer, to help drive the change management, you need someone there to do that, whether it's individuals from trading, from risk, particularly finance and accounting, that can be in an area that gets heavily impacted by these types of projects and has stake that you need engagement from early. And then the other angle to look at is if the project is heavily involved with physical commodities, then it's important to have somebody from the supply or logistics group because they'll be the glue that kind of holds things together along that origination to settlement life cycle. They're the bridge from trading to accounting in many ways. And from the earliest days of the project, it can be really important for organizations within the enterprise to be considering their structure, their staffing and skill sets that they're going to need once this project is over. Um, and the, the obvious changes are to groups like IT. You're going to need new skills that are specific to the ETRM solution that you've picked so that you can support it and answer user questions when they come in and fix bugs when they happen, as well as for the associated integration. But there are other areas in the business that are going to have to speed up. They're going to have to accelerate things like entering new master data, whether that's new business associates or counterparties that you're doing business with or locations. In the old days, before you had a system, you could wait days or weeks to get those entered into the system, you can't anymore. Uh, Missing quotes for, for pricing, can't wait until the end of the month when the invoice needs to go out. They have to be in the system today. And so starting to think early in the project of what specific changes need to take place so that you can sustain the solution beyond the end of the project are really important.
2: Yeah, I think that, uh, Kent, brings up a very good point. And I would say this is for sure, uh, you know, uh, in the over the last 30 years and probably – i would say four you know at least four if not five different implementations of etrm systems you know i think it's a it it, it is a need from top down management to be successful so the senior most executives whether that's the ceo or the coo cfo uh, you know all those folks have to be really engaged and on board to ensure that their folks who are actually the people that would you know partake in probably most of the steering committee uh you know organizational meetings and 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 structure understand the importance to the organization of the this system as the base foundation you know for a new strategy that the organization the company is taking on and buy-in has to uh, in my opinion has to occur, you know, at that level, at that senior of an executive level, you know, a lot of a lot of senior executives don't have the commercial experience in general that folks obviously down in the in the trading organizations have. And, you know, if you ask they uh you know they will always tell you there's value to be extracted if you just let them do things but you know a lot of uh, senior executives have have broader uh ec- you know expansive knowledge of of either the organization or the or the business line that they're in and so they may not have been in in the Commercial role as they uh, as they mature through the the organization. So, but getting them to understand the value proposition and why it is the foundation to achieving that value proposition and that that and executing that strategy of the organization, I think, is the key to a, a successful implementation. Uh, when you get down to the you know, if you have that senior, uh, most senior executive buy-in, uh, then for, in my opinion, for a really good uh, implementation success, you have to have, and, and it's tough. In organizations that are that are continuously operating organizations, it's tough to dedicate some time of. Most, you know, your your experts in all the different uh, areas of the organization that are affected by this ETRM system. But uh, I experience the organizations that have committed to putting their best people as the key sub matter experts, whether it's on the trading side or the scheduling side or the analytics side or the IT side or the accounting side, you know, or the risk side. You know, having the the experts of the organization that understand the business the best is a key to a, in my opinion, a, a very quick and successful uh, implementation.
0: Just a few more questions for y'all. Uh, in this whole process, we've talked a bit about who needs to have a seat at the table, who benefits the most from this integration immediately, and at what level in the sort of trading ecosystem. Uh, But I think sort of a soft skill that maybe doesn't get mentioned as much is communicating and uh, having intentional change management during the implementation of an ETRM. So in both of your opinions, how important is being open with communication as well as having a change management plan for executing on an ETRM efficiently and to get the most ROI from the implementation. Does this level of communication or change management impact the efficiency and quality of the rollout in any significant way? Give us your thoughts.
1: I think change management is strategically important. About five years into my career, I discovered, you know, I'm a computer science major originally, I discovered that systems are easy and people are hard. And so I went back to grad school and I studied organizational development instead of an MBA or a master's in finance or something like that because it was something that I could take back to work every day and make systems implementations run more smoothly. ETRM system implementations in particular are highly complex projects and they affect people all over the organization. So communication and change management are key, but you've gotta help people understand that vision and case for change that Mark was talking about earlier, but you've got to put it in terms where they can see themselves in that change even more so. And constructively breaking down that resistance and engaging them in a positive way early in the project will help with adoption, and it'll help that change be sticky after the project is over. So effective training, We'll make sure that any, dis- any potential disruptions early after go live, that's one of the things you commonly see is right after go live, people aren't all that well prepared. And so they fumble around, mistakes are made, operational errors happen. The longer that goes on and the deeper that sort of trough of, you know, a drop in productivity exists, you're eroding that return on the investment. So getting to Mark's transactional fidelity, as he calls it, Requires good communication and training, breaking down any resistance to change, so that 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 dip is shorter and shallower, and you get to the ROI earlier.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think change management is, if not the number one key to a successful implementation, it's at least the number one key to a successful uh, implementation of. The new commercial strategy that your your organization is trying to trying to basically evolve to with the use of the tool of the ETRM system as as is the main tool to get there. Um, you know, we obviously, uh, is, as as you are moving from a different organizational strategy to where let's just take a, a, a person who hasn't used an ETRM system before. So most likely a, a organization that, that isn't, does not have ETRM system is probably just buying and selling their commodities as they're either needed or produced, moving it locations because, uh, uh Demand is there, that's where they ended up selling it. And they're doing it all by spreadsheets or some old uh, main system that is just basically allowing them to to execute the transaction. So there's not a lot of value extraction going on. There's not a risk uh, measurement going on. Uh, It's just more of a a process of, uh, I, I guess it's just a movement process almost. As you move from that type of organization to an organization that uh, that all of a sudden, and, and a lot of these things aren't new. What a ETRM system does is actually provide visibility into risks that probably have existed in the organization that is implementing this from the start of the organization. Just there's been no visibility into into that value, either the value that's out there to be created or captured, or the value that could be lost by you know by the fact that that market price volatility exists. And so what these systems end up doing is opening that, in essence, putting on that magnifying glass and seeing that risk and that's a different you know that's a different skill set to to look at that than than may have existed in the organization before. So, in, basically, ensuring that everybody understands and that the, the change management processes amongst all the different areas, as Kent mentioned, whether it's the front office, as we call it, uh, where the traders and schedulers sit, to the to the middle office where accounting and 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 risk management sits, or, or whether it's even to the to the back office. Uh, and legal side, or you know, uh, senior executive report side, um, all that's different. All that's going to be yeah, totally different, and and changes is, is difficult for for most organizations to accomplish well because everybody is usually resistant to change. So, having a good change management process where it starts from the beginning doesn't wait till we're you know halfway through implementation. And all of a sudden, you're going to tell everybody, okay, well, this is how your role is going to change. Um, and this is what I expect you guys to now execute, having the change management process start from I would even say almost before you select the you know select your ETRM software is probably key to to a successful implementation of that software as everybody you know gets on board with understanding how roles and responsibilities change and what organization is expecting out of them as they move along this uh, you know, this commercial path.
0: So thanks again to Kent Landrum, managing director of process and technology at Opportune and Mark Smith, founder of Blue Pig Energy Advisors. If you want to find out more about Opportune and some of our offerings in this space, you can head to our website at opportune.com. And Mark, if folks want to find out more about Blue Pig Energy Advisors and your place in this broader ecosystem, how can they get in touch? How can they learn more?
2: Sure. Uh, They can uh, find me on LinkedIn. It's uh, it's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And... uh, and I'd be glad to uh, to to chat with anybody that uh, that had any more questions around this subject or or any any other uh, strategic uh, commercial uh, uh, subjects they may want to want to talk about.
0: Fantastic! Thanks again to Mark and Kent.
2: Uh, thank you, Danielle.
0: And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of E to B Energy to Business, an opportune podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, head to our site, Opportune.com, or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B.
2: Till next time.